Welcome to Blue Rain's podcast. Uh, today we're honored with the presence of interviewing uh, Doug West, uh, painter extraordinaire, landscape painter extraordinaire. Um, I, I wanted to do this for a while too and just ask a little bit more about um, where you came from, what inspired you. We're going to go down a list of things. Um, I'm ready. So where, where were you born and, and where were you raised? I, I was born in Riverside, California. And um, I grew up there until I left to go to college. And the beauty of that for me is I'm old enough to say that I remember Southern California before it was once uh, spread out massive suburbia. Um, it was quite rural and Riverside actually had orange groves and um, I had a dad who loved to go camping. So I saw a lot of California from that home base. Um, that definitely influenced me in a, in a way that manifested later in my life. Did you get into surfing and things of that nature? A little bit, Leroy. Huh? A little bit. <laughs> I, uh, I because you know I was I, I I graduated from high school in in the mid '60s, and you know so there was the Beach Boys, and they were just uh, Bruce Brown was just producing surf films, and he then got into skiing films as well. But um, yeah, I was definitely learned to surf in a minor sort of way, but Riverside was about an hour away from the beach. And um, if I could hook a ride with friends who had a, um, a station wagon, you know, not mm -hmm. a Woody, but a station wagon, uh, we'd head down. And actually, I spent a lot of time at the beach because my grandparents had a beach house in Newport Beach. So, uh, but it wasn't really a surfing beach. It was oh. a body surfing beach. Body surfing. Um, so you said your dad liked to take you camping and, and things of that nature? Yeah, yeah. He, he That was really what he loved to do. He loved to jump into our station wagon loaded with camping gear. And we'd head off for a week to go to uh, Death Valley or the High Sierras or Yosemite. So I saw a lot of the state as a, a young kid. Later on, when I was in high school... Um, he arranged for a friend, a family friend, to let me use his Honda 305, which was like a, the biggest motorcycle they made at the time. We both had motorcycles. We went all the way up the Central Valley and then came down the coastline, um, camping all the way. That was a lot of fun. And, and you know, of course, this is going to lead into the fact that unknowingly, all those experiences out there in nature. Uh, and having the freedom to explore as a kid. My dad and I would go camping, and I was kind of set loose. You know, I could go out and explore. He wasn't trying to keep me on a, a, a leash. And so um, all of that informed me in a way. And, and because of that, I've always looked for places to live that had a rural feeling, mm -hmm. you know, rather than urban. Oh, that was cool. Well, it, it seems like that's a foundation for your future, if you think about it, all that ex outdoor exploration. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, it, it turned out that way. Yeah. Um, so when did you decide you wanted to become an artist? Yeah, I, I would have to say I backed my way into it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I always enjoyed using my hands. And, it, you know, people talk about, oh, yeah, five years old I was drawing and I knew I wanted to be an artist. I wasn't that way at all. I used my hands to build crafts like projects, woodworking, 
um, working with clay um, in school. Um, it, but actually, you know, like in high school, I didn't take any art classes whatsoever. And actually, we did a little promotion for me with Blue Rain earlier in the summer that was a Zoom oh, conference. Yeah. And I talked about the fact, one in, a couple of things were pivotal for me. In high school, I attended high school assembly where the art teacher gave an, uh, a, a program about contemporary art. And he showed a Picasso painting and tied it to a photograph he had uh, from World War II of a dead Nazi soldier. And the same face was in this painting of Picasso's. Oh, wow. It was um, the bombing of Guernica. I think this Guernica is the title of the painting. And it, it, it had a visceral impact on me. I thought, wow, that's a symbolic language that has a real power to it. I didn't think of it as, oh, I want to become an artist. I thought of this, I, I, there's depth there that I don't know about. So I started paying attention and reading art books. Then in college, this is, I'm working around to your answer here. <laughs> in, in college, I was drifting. I mean, I, I loved going to college and I loved studying geology and, and many different things, but I happened to take a night class in ceramics and I, it just grabbed me. And I started uh, having dreams about making pottery. And um, a, a fellow student who was a graduate student, I was an undergraduate, said, oh, gee, you know, he's sort of a mystical kind of guy. And he said, oh, if you're having dreams about it, you should major in it. And uh, so I did. I, I right actually, on. Yeah, I, you know, it, it, I, it wasn't two-dimensional work. It was three-dimensional work. And I ended up getting a degree in ceramics uh, or in fine arts but with a um, a major in ceramics and also a major in sculpture oh so a mixture of both uh so what were you uh drawn to in the ceramic part the the vessel format or the figurative i was uh it started with working with a wheel mm. and it evolved into after getting the degree i moved to uh hawaii to uh, find to get a teacher's credential because I, I knew I didn't want to be a studio potter I just didn't think I could support my family and do that um, so I got a teacher's credential and ended up getting a job working for the army at Schofield Barracks in Hawaii as a civil servant mm -hmm. teaching ceramics and I had a really nice lab there it was at a time when the army was all uh, was trying to get volunteer, you know, it, it shifted from conscription to a volunteer service. And one of the draws that they would offer um, people was a, a recreational services of all sorts. And so we really had a nice facility that offered ceramics, photography, jewelry making, etc. And so I had a really nice lab. And there I, uh, it was, primarily doing slab building sculpture, wow. large, fairly large. You know, it, we were limited by the size of the kiln I have, which was a, a, a fairly large kiln, gas kiln, but um, a gas fired kiln, high temperature, and I was doing figurative work then. Ah, I've never seen any examples of that. No, where about? Well, yeah, Leroy, I, I left Hawaii um, in the mid-70s, early set, well, let's see, 1974, moved to Santa Fe, uh, 
and with my ex-wife, and my daughter was born here in 75. Um, I, at that time, had a job working up for the lab in Los Alamos as a model maker. I talked my way into that job because I had skills as a craftsman. And um, I was building uh, architectural representations of buildings that they were um, proposed facilities that they were going to build. And they would take these three-dimensional models that were fairly large to DC to get funding. You know, they were the kind of thing where you'd have a, a, a plastic <clears throat> spray-painted color with trees outside representation of a building. You'd lift off the, the roof lid and you could look inside and see the equipment in the room, that kind of thing. And um, I, I liked the job a lot, but I'd come home in the evenings and I really felt like I wanted something more creative to be doing that really spoke to being uh, to uh, uh, being and messing with art, and um, it, then I started making silkscreen prints. And really, as a that's a big jump. <laughs> well, I, you know what? I I made some posters to advertise classes in Hawaii. The the ceramics classes that I was teaching. And, and the posters were printed with silkscreen process. Cut a stencil, mix some ink, pull the squeegee across the screen. And once you got the stencil cut and attached to the screen, you pull the squeegee, got a poster, yeah. basically, you know. <laughs> you make and, it sound so easy. <laughs> and and so I, I think it started, that uh, the idea started uh, that I would make a calendar as a Christmas present for family members. That turned out to be way too complicated. So this was around 76? 77, yeah, 76, 77. Um, and I kind of abandoned that project, but I got hooked by doing the, the silk screening. Turned into making some landscapes. Turned into uh, going to an arts and crafts fair at the La Fonda Hotel that was a Christmas uh, junior league sponsored event. Humble beginnings. And I sold a bunch of things, you know, $5 a piece. <laughs> and, and, I, and so that was, that was fuel to the fire. And I kept making them. And then eventually uh, got into Elaine Horowitz Gallery. And oh, I didn't realize you were showing Yeah, Yeah, I was at Elaine Horowitz. That was in 1979. We've had three artists so far that have come from Elaine Horowitz. Well, well, Billy. Billy Sheck was uh -huh. there. Uh, Dave, Fritz was there. David Bradley. David well. Bradley. Mm -hmm. I met David way back then. Yeah. You know, it was the early time in Santa Fe. Santa that was Fe, a fun time. It was a fun time. And it, and Leroy was right on the edge of of this feeding frenzy for Southwest everything. Yeah, I, I, I figured a lot of flair was starting to develop here in, in Santa Fe because I I think of the story yesterday of Billy and that big white Cadillac he used to drive around town. and <laughs> You know, it was such a scene. It, it, a lot it of was. Characters, a lot yeah, of I mean, uh, it, it was. It was a, a really interesting time. R.C. Gorman was yeah. up in Taos, and you he remember. He was booming, oh, yeah. The same thing was up in Taos, yeah. too. Yeah, right? there, there was, a, well, because of R.C. and his influence, and mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the Taos founders were there. and so. Well, yeah. and you had Dennis Hopper. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have stories for Dennis Hopper, man. <laughs> he... he he used to come to the gallery all the time, uh, at least once or twice a year. And, uh, but I got to know him eventually, golfed with him a couple of times. But. 
Character. Yeah, he's a, and a big art collector, too. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. One time I was in the LA Art Show. I know we're deviating. We'll get back to this. But uh, I was at the LA Art Show, and there was this uh, photograph of Dennis Hopper holding numbers. And it says, Taos Police Department. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those kind of numbers. Yeah, and I, I have a friend, a mutual friend, uh, and I'm, I, who was, is a major producer in Hollywood. And, and so I asked him, because he, he used to come in with to the gallery. I never got to know him as well as many years later, but I asked him, what, what was that about? He's all, yeah, Dennis, he was a little hooked on some stuff and went down to the Taos Plaza and shot up the trees with his six shooter. <laughs> so they cuffed and stuffed them. Um, anyways, that, that is, <laughs> there's, there's more oh, stories there. there I know. They, I, I, I remember hearing you got run I, out of town. I can't even get into it. But, <laughs> anyway, oh uh, yeah, back to me, back to you. <laughs> so, um, my first introduction to your work, uh, which I mentioned in the first podcast that we did, uh, when I was first married to Tammy, um, I got her into two galleries and one of them was Andrew's Pueblo Pottery. Yeah. And, uh, that was a tiny shop. And it was full of pots, but the little few places they had wall space, there's Douglas serographs. That's a, it was, yeah, it's real interesting how yeah. they happen. Yeah. Well, and similar with, with, in a way with you, not in the same way, but I think that you, as, as a gallery owner, have an eye for what you like. And, and, and I would tie this back a little bit to my crafts work. I really like working in detail and <clears throat> being I, I, I like working in paint now versus printmaking because I can make clouds a little more expressionistic and there's a fluidity there but essentially detail is still a big deal to me and that's in in Native American pottery as yeah. well yeah you're, you're right on that oh, that was what impressed me about the serographs I'm like these are silk screens look at the amount of detail under so you must have had I, a lot I, of cutting time. And I just... just kept evolving, Leroy. Yeah. I mean, I, I, and the, the deal was for me that I started, uh, much like I started painting, and the first prints were very, very crude. And I, my eye knew what I wanted to portray. I just didn't have the tools to be able to do it in the medium. And because I was my own printmaker, Nobody else was printing for me throughout my career. It kept evolving. And, um, and it was simplistic and had a style uh, that was unique right from the start, yes. sort of. And when I started working larger and, and I got representation like Elaine Horowitz and some advertisement, it was right at that time when the art market here for Southwestern Art was picking up. And so I, I, I had a show once where it was reviewed by uh, a critic from the New Mexican. And my work was simple, and he talked about my work being like uh, uh, oh, soap bubble clouds, something. It, it was really kind of a, a, a pan on my work. And that just it kind of irritated me, but it pushed me mm -hmm. to make things more and more detailed so that nobody could say that. And moreover, I had people already starting to emulate my style. Yep. I thought, well, if they wanted to copy me, they're going to have to really work hard. Especially in that medium. I mean, holy cow. So yeah, many of my, some of my, most of my prints would have about 60 printings. 
Yeah. Uh, six, 60 separate stencils up to 120. That's crazy. Nobody wanted to no. spend that kind That's of... That's a lot of work. <laughs> nobody wanted to copy that. And, and that really was, was by intention. And the, the benefit of that, of course, was that even though there, there are, a, you know, a stylized representation of nature, um, they got to be pretty graphically correct. Mm-hmm. You know, they, people would say, oh, yeah, that's, that's a Doug West landscape because they could identify the place and the lighting condition, the colors, et cetera. So how many years uh, was the uh, serigraphing? Was it 77 <clears throat> up to uh, the time you met Blue Rain Gallery? Yeah, pretty much, Leroy. I think I, I made my last print uh, about 1990. Eight ninety nine, and you started representing me in ninety nine. I had certainly started painting uh, a number, maybe ten years before that, but in fits and starts, yeah. and um, and it, that gave me the benefit. You gave me the benefit to do nothing but paint, painting, and I and I had a similar growth cycle with that yeah. I think you remember I, I, I am very impressed about the progression you made from changing mediums um, and your first paintings were, were spectacular but what you're doing now is even is a step well, up it's a journey and, and that's what I love about being an artist I don't want to stop uh, progressing and some of what enables me to progress is uh, interpreting different landscapes in different ways and and certainly the florals are a little bit of a departure uh florals with landscape or a departure but it's it's a a creative journey yeah. it keeps me fresh we've uh, actually posted a few of your florals and we always get commentary uh hey that's like georgia o'keefe but mm-hmm. it's different it's a lot more detail hers is a lot more loose and i have a lot of uh, uh great respect and admiration for her work and i would be um, lying to not say that there is that's part of the influence um but in a totally different way you know it's it's not as um symbolically it's symbolic but it's it's not as oh emotionally stylized um it's it's more kind of a, a graphic representation so let, let's talk a little bit about your uh, subject. It seems mostly um, northern and southern New Mexico corridors for the most part, which mm-hmm. really inspires you. Why? Well, and, and bordering off into the four corners as well. Uh, you know, the, the reason I've lived here, Leroy, I moved here from Hawaii, remember, uh, just as an experiment. I never really thought I could live away from the ocean. And... What uh, was special to me was the unlimited horizon line, like you have with an ocean. You could see great depth of field and uh, sparsely populated. So you could get out in the land and have a personal experience with nature. And, and New Mexico is singularly beautiful. The entire state, it just has a different feeling. I, uh, I live in Mexico now, way down the Baja Peninsula, for much the same reason. I, now I'm next to the ocean and I can see that water body out there, but um, it's a rural setting and um, it's so it's connected with nature. And every time I drive back up here 
and spend time exploring new places because I'm primarily still painting New Mexico. Every time I cross over from Arizona to into New Mexico, I, I, I just think, oh my gosh, it's there's like a dividing line. <laughs> there's a difference, isn't there? There really is. It's really special. So that it's in my bones and will always be. So you've lived in a few places in New Mexico. I have. So I lived in Santa Fe. And then I've spent, um, gee, I guess about 12 years down in Socorro. And the beauty of that was there, there are just many vast and unexplored areas down there and it's wide open. It's a lot of it's BLM land that you can go on to with no permission whatsoever, you just drive out there. Mm -hmm. Or ranches that uh, just ask permission or make sure you close the gates as you go through. And it, that afforded me a lot of uh, landscapes around that area, but also the opportunity to explore southern New Mexico, middle mm -hmm. and southern New Mexico. And then after that, I moved up to Taos. And um, that's a very, as you know, having lived there, it's, it's an extraordinarily beautiful place. Yeah, um, one of my favorite paintings of yours uh, was a White Sands painting. That, yeah. That, yeah. That was really cool. Oh, Leroy. <laughs> I, when I lived in Socorro, that was my sanctuary and refuge. Yeah. I, would, I, I was um, making prints there. And I would every once in a while load up my backpack. I was also in search and rescue there. Oh. So I had all of the equipment pretty much ready to go at a moment's notice. I'd grab my backpack and some water and I'd drive down to White Sands and um, onto the national park down there. And they have a campground. And I'd drive out to the parking for the campground, walk about a hundred yards towards the campground where nobody could see me and then um, <laughs> and then I'd turn a right and get as far out into the dunes as possible and set up my tent and spend a night or two out there and I just loved it. It's it's so serene. It's like a snowfield. You know? Yeah, oh, you can get lost out there really and, easy. And the <laughs> deal is, it, it's like a, it, like by mosquitoes. So it's like a, a snow area in that snow absorbs sound. And the sand down there does as well. It's just still and quiet and uh, untouched. That's what I love, that untouched look. Yeah, that, that's pretty cool. And um, so the, the going back to the Taos time, this was a time where you um, started developing the original format, right? Right. And right. so, and I, I noticed a lot of like Pilar scenes and, and, and uh, Rio Grande scenes at that point mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of natural beauty to that canyon, the, how it oh, cracks yeah. that valley and uh, just... I spent, uh, when I lived in Taos, I was out on the West Rim Trail of the Gorge about four times a week, maybe five times a week, riding my mountain bike. And, um, and I did that well through at least until the snow was on the ground. And when the snow was on the ground, then I'd be out there hiking. So the gorge uh, is a favorite place of mine. A, a similar sanctuary. And, uh, and the Rio Grande and going down to Pilar. Yes, I've, done, I've interpreted that. And then uh, the mountains, the mountain, Taos Mountain. Taos Mountain. Mm -hmm. It's quite extraordinary. There, I have a new piece in this show that's of the Valdez Valley. Oh, right. Um, that I, 
is a real special place seen from the southern end of the valley looking up. Um, it's, it, yeah, Taos has many different looks to it. If you think about it, uh, hiking up in the mountains or out on the ocean of sage on the west uh, west mesa mm -hmm. yeah it, well and and then extraordinary light i mean color the light is amazing. color matters to me and i i think that that's if there's something that that is a signature to my work i do have it it was born with a sense of how to mix color how to how to see color you know mm -hmm. it's it, um a gallery owner once said, I have more rods and cones in my eyes than the, the <laughs> sensors for color. And I, I'm not blowing my own horn here, but, but colored as a representation of light and shadow, um, it matters. Well, for the many years you've uh, studied and applied and, and tried and experimented, it's, you have a very nice uh, style Thank that's you. hard to uh, imitate. And, uh, I, you know, as far as imitation, you either get upset about it or you take it as a company <laughs> thank you you know there's there's people that you yeah. have inspired uh generations oh, that you have inspired yeah, yeah. i yeah. and and honestly i'm i'm happy to mentor people i don't want them to copy me but i am more than happy to help them through the processes yeah i think that's important um before we end i i want to ask a couple questions uh, outside of painting what other hobbies do you do Hobbies, gosh, Leroy, you don't give me time for hobbies. Are you still motorcycling and Oh, I was riding? doing that up until a couple of years ago. That was a blast. I rode way all over the um, the route surrounding area around Todos Santos. I had a couple of friends about my age, and we go out there and tear it up. And I um, had a, a Honda uh, 400s. So that was a, you know that's a powerful motorcycle and very. Uh, weighty, you know, mm. lifting that sucker up. So if it up, falls I, on you, you have to... <laughs> I'd dump it in the sand, and then I would take an act of will to get it back up. Um, and I, a little bit of fishing, not much, you know, fish, uh, surf fishing, catch and release. Um, astronomy, I have a telescope that I put oh, up really? on the roof, and it's really cool. It is computer-driven, so I can... Um, you know, uh, what, so, uh, it'll track the stars. And, so do you get pretty uh, clear uh, skies like we have here in New Mexico down there? Well, we do, but I'm right next to the ocean. Right. So that's 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 a mitigating factor. And and it's nothing's like being up at altitude. Right. It's a big difference. I, uh, as I was working on building frames this last week out um, on Toon Drive and Taos out in the West Mesa, you know, Taos is at what seventy seven hundred feet elevation, yeah. and the and the stars were just incredible. Yeah, when you have a clear night, it is amazing. But sometimes mm -hmm. I sit in my hot tub and it's, oh, and night, the, and the other thing, Leroy's, I love music. Okay, I'm oh. not a musician, but I love music. And I, and over the last, actually, one of your collectors took me to his home, up in Bishop Park. Um, I can't think of his name right now. The guy who invented the. Um, distillation process for caffeine caffeinated drinks I'm trying to think of who that is <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll remember it in a minute but he played his his sound system for me 
Oh, wow. and and you know it got me off into getting class a class A amp with tubes and getting better speakers and gold uh, cables, uh, <laughs> yeah, cables and and so um, I have a I don't have a you know this is something you could buy a Porsche or more um, in, in investment I have a very moderate, less than moderate, but a well-informed um, sound system that I just love listening to music where it's three-dimensional, um, great soundstage, great clarity, warmth, and so I've got some really nice equipment over the years that I've assembled. That is nice. I, I have a lot of clients that have sound systems like that. I'm like, what? <laughs> costs as much as a house. Man. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Well, I want to thank you for coming in today and spending time with us on the Blue Rain Gallery podcast. Oh, you're welcome, Leroy. I, I, I'm really, um, it's been an honor and, and, and it's been wonderful over about 10 years now. Oh, 10 least. years of working together. It's, yeah. it's really, you're, you know, it's a, I feel honored to be in the midst of all the great artists that you have. Here. Well, thanks for including us in your journey as well. So. Of course. Of course. Thank <laughs> Until you. Until next time. Okay. <laughs> Hey, on the way hey, ho, ho. hey, on way, oh. hey, oh. hey, on the way, hey, 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 hey,